Welcome back to Take Us McGinnis. I'm Barbara McGinnis, and in today's episode, we're talking about clinical research trials and developments. And I'm Tim Takus, and in this segment, we are talking with Dr. David Hutchings, and Dr. Hutchings specializes in neuropathology and dementia. Welcome, David. Thank Thanks you. for being Thanks for here. Thank you. You are a neuropathologist. Okay, mm -hmm. what is that, and how does it help your clients or your patients? Neuropathology is a branch of medicine that specializes in disorders of the nervous system, and dementia and all forms of dementia certainly fall into that category. Mm -hmm. um, it, it gives us a much more complex and comprehensive look into our patients through evaluation, treatment, differential diagnosis. Um, and, and especially symptom management, but also working with the caregivers as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, sounds like you're an overachiever as well. <laughs> you're also a speech-language pathologist. Yes, so, if, so if you'll explain what that, that is sure. and how that helps your that clients. means a lot of student loans. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so speech pathology or speech-language pathology in the field of geriatrics um, really complements what I do in neuropathology in my treatment for dementia patients. And if you really, if you look at what a speech-language pathologist does, you can kind of break it into three major categories. Um, number one, they treat swallowing disorders. Number mm -hmm. two, they treat cognitive and memory issues and impairments. And number three, they, they also uh, work with patients who have difficulty communicating either verbally or non-verbally. Mm -hmm. And if we look at that in the dementia population, we see all three of those realms of uh, impairments in our progressive patients. Sure. All right, and so you mentioned swallowing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, and I'm I'm having trouble connecting neuropathology and swallowing. Yeah. Can you help a lot our of people viewers? Do. I think it's a great question. You know, when we think about uh, dementia. Most people think about memory, and uh, by definition, we would say dementia is a, is a complete deterioration of of all mental and physical functions. And uh, what happens is dementia begins to progress. Patients lose the ability to swallow. Uh, and that's why we see so many of our elderly patients and especially our dementia patients acquire pneumonia. Mm -hmm. um, and they'll have mm -hmm. some odd symptoms too. They'll have maybe runny noses and watery eyes when mm -hmm. they eat. Mm -hmm. um, and those are all symptoms that things are actually getting in your lungs. Um, we have just finished, uh, our company's just finished writing a course that is advanced practices in dementia and also teaching medical practitioners how to evaluate and treat swallowing disorders in the dementia population. Mm -hmm. So why is it swallowing? I mean, among other things, I mean, that just, I'm trying to figure out a connection because I don't think the sure. public would understand mm -hmm. what does dementia have to do with swallowing? Yeah, it, it, is, a, it is kind of an interesting connection, but what patients a lot of times will have attention problems, so the environment, just like here in the studio, you have lights and cameras and there's a lot of things going on, so the patient unable to really attend to the meal. And at last, they, they lose the sensory ability to sense the food in the mouth and the throat and also the motor function in the throat to actually navigate the food into the esophagus correctly and safely. Okay, so it's not, obviously, it's not just cognitive, but it f affects all of the systems, including It's sensory, taste, motor, sen and Sensory, yes, yes. sir, yes, mm -hmm. sir, yep. Right, mm -hmm. you know, which obviously affects the swallowing. Mm -hmm. But then we see that, that kind of snowball into catastrophic things for patients because they commonly develop wounds because of poor nutrition, hydration, uh, weight loss, so all that falls into that swallowing category in right. our dementia patients. Mm -hmm. So is it dementia in general or Alzheimer's specific? That's a good question. A lot of people um, don't, and that's a question I get a lot from my patients yeah. is, you know, what's the difference in dementia and Alzheimer's? And I know you have a segment coming up soon on, on cancer 
cancer, so I'll use that for an example. Mm -hmm. If we have um, cancer as an umbrella diagnosis, there's many different types that fall under that. Uh -huh. If we think about dementia the same way, we have many different forms that fall under the dementia diagnosis. Alzheimer's is the most prevalent with about 71% of the dementia cases are Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. okay. But not all dementias are progressive either, and that's something most people don't know either. So we're like an Alzheimer's patient. Mm -hmm. you, you know that is progressive, yep. and we know that the swallowing problems and the speech problems are all part of that mm -hmm. at some point during their their phase, but maybe not if they have vascular dementia. Good point. So we can actually see swallowing disorders onset much earlier in a vascular um, dementia patient because that's neurological deficits or like a Parkinson's related okay. right. dementias. Um, but nearly 100% of your dementia patients do acquire swallowing disorders oh, okay. mm -hmm. so during the course of the disease. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So is there any research done on this? I mean, you, we just heard from Dr. You know, from Randy Bach about mm -hmm. clinical research. Yes. You know, so yeah. is there some research that's going on or some new things that we, that helps your patients? There is. Yes, sir, there is. A, a lot of the research before um, really focused on you know looking at feeding tubes, and we know that feeding tubes are not at all um, uh, a, a, a mode of treatment that is that is gives us any kind of positive clinical outcome in this diagnosis. Yeah. Um, so really, the, there's a lot of um, look and research into how do we deal with these patients, how do we keep them eating, how do we keep them hydrated, um, and the course that I mentioned earlier teaches medical practitioners exactly how to do that. Um, so it's, there's there's a lot of research out there to, to teach us to say how can we keep these patients eating but also keep a level of quality of life during the course of the disease as well. Mm -hmm. So it's about managing the illness then. Exactly, symptom management. Right. Yep. Now, you've already mentioned that we're going to have someone come on and talk <laughs> about cancer yeah. and, and the genetic testing for that. Is there a genetic testing that you do with people in dementia? Yes, and this is a great question because this is something I, I get in many lectures and from uh, you know caregivers and sibling or siblings that um, that their mom or dad have the disease. There is genetic testing to see if you have the gene, mm -hmm. um, and the genetic testing is looking for a gene that's called the apolipoprotein number four, and that's yeah. the one we know mostly associate with Alzheimer's. Um, but I'll say that you know it's if if your mom has that gene and you get that but your dad doesn't you have a three times chance higher of developing Alzheimer's mm -hmm. if you get it from both your parents it increases it 12 times but we have recent studies even one that published a couple months ago that says even though you have the gene it does not mean that you acquire the disease itself um, it's it's not so much the gene it's age it's uh, good cardiovascular health sleep hygiene you know good mental health um, weight and those types of things that are the causes and not necessarily having the gene itself mm -hmm. so if I was interested in being tested, mm -hmm. because it's my, my father, we think, had Alzheimer's when he passed, yes, right? So if I'm interested, would I want my mom tested too to see if, if she had the gene you as know, well? My, my advice would be, even if you get tested and you find out they have a gene, yeah. it kind of is what it is, right? You yeah. can't change your genetics. Right. So, um, But you can change lifestyle. You can change uh, not only physical health, but also mental exercise and mental health and how you live. So you know, even though you, that you have the gene, it yeah. does not mean that you can uh, you actually acquire the condition. Mm -hmm. And that's a mis... Um, 
uh, a misconception across a lot of people that if, right. you know my parents have it then I'm gonna acquire it and that's and we know that through a lot of research so that's not right. true so someone as old as Barbara she still has a she still has a chance to change her lifestyle you do here. yes ma'am you absolutely do so <laughs> what does that look so so okay so people like me who mm -hmm. are you know approaching 65 mm -hmm. okay so what should I be doing well there's a lot of things you should be doing um, number, one, number one we try to look at uh, you know how your parents you say you are what you eat and that's yes. true you, uh -huh. So diet is one of the biggest things. Yeah. Uh, we see the the prevalence of Alzheimer's skyrocket in people with type two diabetes that are overweight and 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 don't care take care of themselves. Um, you know, good good sleep hygiene. Um, you know, keeping your your mind very active. Um, uh -huh. And uh, and you know, so those things are, are certainly going to be a part of that. But also just physical exercise too. Right. Um, so a lot of the diet, good sleep hygiene, and all the things that I mentioned are all things that we have been shown that that we can actually now start to prevent the condition from setting and that apolipoprotein number four mm -hmm. from from mutating mm -hmm. any medications coming along that we need to be thinking um, of there are at? So there are some medications the medication is designed right now that are out on the market are there to improve cognition but not slow down the disease but okay. we do have some medications in clinical trials that are showing that we can start to see some breakdown of those plaques and those tangles mm -hmm. um, but the downside to it we don't see that it is actually slowing the disease process down Oh my goodness. So really, prevention is, is, is a main focus for research um, right. in a lot of institutions. Right. What, um, what about, anyone comment on uh, any supplements, like the nutrition supplements? We used to take vitamin E. We thought that Absolutely. would make a, make a difference. Ginkgo, we, mm -hmm. we thought would make a difference. And now we know it really doesn't. No, ma'am. But, but there are things that as long as you have um, good thyroid health, so whenever mm -hmm. I see patients that are, have a dementia diagnosis, um, before we say that they have Alzheimer's or some kind of you know very strong word to use among patients, we want to yeah. rule out things like vitamin B12 insufficiency, hyper or hypothyroidism, um, you know toxicities, traumas, those types of things can also cause dementia symptoms. So um, really, you know, good hormone, good good uh, vitamins and, and multivitamins or and fish oil, those types of things are great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So okay. so what are you telling patients maybe who have just gotten diagnosed what are you what are you telling them what are you telling their families what advice are you giving you know what I try to do is I try to take them through there are seven main stages of dementia and and I go in in a stage oh, and say this is where we're at this is what we can do but this is what's coming next right. so they they know and so, so stage one is uh, stage one is going to be more more subjective uh, mm -hmm. cognitive impairment more age-related okay um, and then we go into stage two which is going to be more um, a mild cognitive impairment which is pre-dementia Okay. Some of those turn into dementias, some of them don't. Right. And then we start to go into three, four, five, six, seven, and that's going to be mild, moderate, 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 severe, severe, and profound. Okay. So, so is your company designed for uh, end users like individuals, or mm -hmm. is your company designed to be a support or augment to medical providers? Both, both. Okay. So as I mentioned earlier, SpectraMed just finished um, writing a course that, that is a very comprehensive course that teaches medical pra practitioners how to stage dementia, differential diagnose. Uh, we go into the genes and prevention, but also we go into the nutritional pieces mm -hmm. um, and teaches the medical practitioners how to treat dementia and also keeping the quality of life uh, intact in, in as long as possible for those patients. Um, in my private practice, I actually do go into the home and evaluate the patients um, and treat within the home. So you don't see that very often no. actually in home treatments, but it's difficult for those patients to be able to, to go see a doctor and to be able to come out of their home. It's very taxing on them. Right. Yeah, it is. 
Well, I know we, we've got his contact information, right. but um, any, any last words about how you want to, what, what you want people to know? You know, I think that there's great resources out there. Um, my suggestion is to, you know, certainly look at the Alzheimer's org. They keep mm -hmm. the most current statistics and those types of things. But always ask your primary care physician questions. Um, be, be, um, you know, very, be an advocate and, and be an advocate for your care. And also, you know, when there is a diagnosis, um, to, to be able to um, accept it as much as possible and understand that this is something that is going to get worse, but how do we manage this through time? Um, and it, it certainly will decrease the, the burden upon the caregiver as well. Right, because mm -hmm. that's really often who it affects the most. Yes, sir. We're seeing now that the patients are outliving their caregivers. Yeah. So they are a part of the treatment as well. Gotcha. That's they good. Yeah, they have to be. And mm -hmm. sometimes they just don't even realize yeah. how, how important that is. They, they think they can just do everything and they're not getting the respite or the support that they yep. need. And it's an incredible burden. So when I assess, and that's something that we're teaching in our course, is how to assess the caregiver and their caregiver burden. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes. All right. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That's great information, David. Um, it's time for another break. So next, next, in our next segment, we'll be talking about a tool for early detection of cancer. So stay with us.